Oh, thank God. Other people have watched all the animation and nominated their favorites for awards. Whew. I thought we'd have to do it for a minute. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and the best animation and storytelling. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're discussing the animated nominees for the Emmy Awards. It's the 70-somethingth, 77th, I don't know what Emmys it is. There have been more than 60, more than 70, less than 80 Emmys. Um, And we're talking about the animated nominees, both short form and regular. They don't say like long form. It's just animated program and short animated program. I also like the distinction between like children's animated and regular animated, as if the primary mode of animated program isn't for children. And that's a whole separate category. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, these are, these are uh, maybe not the best necessarily things uh, that you would choose or that Chris or I would choose, but these are certainly the nominees and winners that a conglomeration of a certain people chose. Um, And we're going to respect that certain people chose these. A conglomeration of people who are allowed to choose have chosen. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. We are not allowed to choose. We are not in, is what's the Emily, the Emmy word equivalent of like the Academy? The voting body? I don't know. I don't know. Well, now we'll never know. See, that's how far removed we are from the Emmys process. <laughs> because we don't even know what group you have to be in to choose. But we're definitely not in it. We know that much. Yeah. We know that much. <laughs> so we're going to talk through the nominees, and we're not really talking about the merits of each episode. Wait, it, it's, no, that's exactly what we're doing. We're talking about the merits of each episode. Because not like, the merits about of the, the show. Merits. <laughs> right. We're not talking about the, how about this? We're not talking about the merits of the nomination, but we're talking about the gems and nuggety goodness in each one of them to see why they may have been nominated. What what are their strengths and what are Mm -hmm. common themes that are out there this year or last year? Sorry. Yeah. This this voting period. Yes. Thank you. And either way, uh, dear listener, if you are listening to this episode, the winners have already been announced. So spoilers for the real world. Um, if well, spoilers for the show if you pay attention to the real world, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you get to hear our thoughts of all, well, not all the nominees, but the nominees for animated program and short form animated program. And I think we'll we'll put our. I don't like to say it's our guesses or our recommendations, but like the ones we're rooting for. Yeah, what we I would have chosen. If we were right. singular people choosing from these nominees that we didn't nominate. Yeah. So if we got the ballot, it's it's the ones we would mark. Yeah. Not that not that you should mark, you know, but 
Well, you can't, even if you're in the Emmy voting body academy at this point. It's correct. It's all done. It's all done. (laughs) They're they're setting it all up and things will be, by the time you're listening to this, it's it's over. We're tearing down the show. (laughs) Okay. Let's let's talk through the nominees. Should we start with short form animated yeah. program? Yeah. What, what's nominated? So the nominees are there are three. I thought there would be more, but there are three. Forky asks a question: What is love? From Disney Plus. Robot Chicken, Santa's Dead Spoiler Alert Holiday Murder Things Special, from Adult Swim. Slash Cartoon Network. Steven Universe Future, the episode Fragments from Cartoon Network. So that's a short form category. It's a pretty good bunch. Short list. These ones have been short listed. Uh, uh, yeah. These listed shorts are on the short list. Uh. Now, moving on to animated program. These are the longer ones. But not by much. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. The nominees are Big Mouth. The episode Disclosure, the movie, the musical from the Netflix. From Bob's Burgers, the episode Pig Trouble and Little Tina. That's on Fox if you're still watching it there. And... Bojack Horseman, the episode The View from Halfway Down. That's from Netflix. The show Rick and Morty had the episode The Vat of Acid episode from Adult Swim. We've heard their name before. And the other list. The Simpsons. Thanksgiving of Horror from Fox. They're still putting episodes out there. That's a show that's still on. It's a ringing endorsement. What? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it is still going. It's, I mean, it's already it's almost as old as you are, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you don't count like the Tracy Ullman shorts, yeah. Yeah, like 33 up 33 seasons. Is that what they're up to? 31? I think so. 32? Something like that. Are you older than the substance? I don't know. I'm older than full full episode length Simpsons. Okay. Okay, good. So those are our nominees before we start talking about birthdays. Um, Those are our nominees. And I guess we could start with the short form animated programs. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start with like geared toward youngest audience and move forward? (laughs) Yeah. So we'll start with Forky, which doesn't feel like it should be for younger audiences. We'll start with Forky. Move to Steven Universe and then end with Robot Chicken. Do you think yeah. that sounds okay? Yeah, I'm down with that. All right. I, I've kind <clears> of <throat> popped in and out throughout the Forky series, so I didn't watch all of them. And this is one that I had skipped originally, so I was delighted to go back and see one that I hadn't watched. <laughs> <laughs> I had watched this. I, we've seen all the Forky asks a question. Um, my son Jack really loves to say, Forky asks a question. Like, I don't know where that voice comes from, but he he really likes to say that randomly. Uh, and I had forgotten what this one was about. I forgot what this one was, and I was pleasantly surprised. 
to watch this one again. So what is what is love, Mackenzie? Baby, don't hurt me yep. no more. Every time. Of course that, yeah. I, I'm a little upset when someone asks the question, what is love, and that's not in it. Uh, but that shortcoming <laughs> aside, um, I enjoy the short because I just like the core conceit of like, this is a short for kids to watch with their family on Disney+. Plus. Um, and the big question is, what is love? And the answer is, look over there, celebrity guests. <laughs> <laughs> and not like celebrity not, guests that the kids would be interested in. It's At like, all. <laughs> at all. I didn't even like catch who they were at first. I'm like, did they say Melephant Brooks? They did. Is that Mel Brooks? It must be Mel Brooks. It can't just be someone doing a Mel Brooks voice. <laughs> And they're characters from, you know, Toy Story films. They came back to reprise them, which is cool. Oh, were they in the films? I missed Yeah, that they entirely. were. They were. I have, I need to marathon that series again and refresh my knowledge of it. Uh, well, cool. So they brought back people. Yes. Who are also celebrity guests for a short. Um, Al Brooks, Carl Reiner, Carol Burnett. Betty White. Betty White, yeah. Betty White's done everything. Bless her. Um, I, I like. I think that the actual formal structure of this is like, what is love? Here's like a boring second grade example to explain what it is. And of course, it's not interesting to Forky, the stand-in for the child viewer. Um, <laughs> and then it devolves into like this Riverdale mess. <laughs> and suddenly it's interesting. Like, ah, you're not really explaining love, but you're explaining like why your parents love messy CW dramas. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with love as a crazy ex-girlfriend fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All I'm going to say is, yeah, I <laughs> seconded because that all of the Forky series is, it's one of those very, when we broke down structure, here's a very, very reliable structure for how these shorts work. And then it devolves. And I, I just love the that devolution, de-evolution in the Forky Ask the Question shorts is where it starts to get interesting and fun and silly. So here's the question. Here's who he's going to ask. And then here's the real answer. And then here's how that devolves into a weird, crazy representation of the truth of it. Mm-hmm. I remember the the last one, What is Cheese, being very striking when I watched that because it's it's that formula but almost sped up. of Like, the question today is, what is cheese? And whoever he's asking is like, no, that doesn't matter. Here's the answer to all your questions because I'm sick of these. <laughs> and it, like, turns into this <laughs> much, much deeper, like, look and existential take on, like, questions and learning and growing up. <laughs> So yeah, I, in summary, I enjoy the structure as well. So Cute how short form can, thing. So how can you have something fun and a structure that repeats? So it's an interesting, fun, rep- repetitive structure for younger viewers and their families. So entire families. Yeah. I mean, that's like asking how can you have a new episode of SNL every 
other Saturday for I don't know how many years are on, like 46, 47. Like, there is a formula to a lot of, like, really brief comedy. And the magic is not necessarily being along for the ride, but, like, how that specifically manifests itself for the topic you're talking about. Because there's always, you want the twist to be clever when you're experiencing it for the first time, but obvious in retrospect. Right. That's a, it's a, that's the perception shift. That's mm-hmm. what that is. It's, this is what we're working towards, but you're ignoring it because of the character and the story. And then when we twist it and turn it, it's the most inevitable thing that could have possibly happened. And it, you should have seen it coming, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. You ignored it. And now everything's different. And wasn't that delightful? Like, I feel like that's, like that's, that's hopefully the, the end resolution of these twists and the final turns, uh, the final transformation. The final and, transformation. So if you listeners want to go and learn more about the perception shift, go check out writing. Sherry Kramer's out there. Go, go look at her, her stuff. It's worthwhile of understanding more about it. And, I thought you were uh, going to end with like. End with what? <laughs> if you're interested in the perception shift, go check out writing. <laughs> go, <laughs> Just period. <laughs> go, check out, go check out good storytelling. <laughs> Bye. Good night, everybody. This has been fun. The winner of all categories is Forky asks the question, what is love? The end. <laughs> so moving on to Steven Universe. Which um, we, we also just talked about Steven Universe two weeks ago. Or two episodes yeah, ago. Two episodes ago. And luckily not this one, somehow, magically. <laughs> I think this one leads into the kind of finale movie chunk that you watched. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to being done with my catching up on Star versus the Forces of Evil to finally watch all of that so I can go back and do that with Steven Universe and see all the bits and pieces that I've missed. Because everything that I've seen of Steven Universe, I've really enjoyed. It's great. I think it really like picked up steam with like an adult audience at the end of people like discovering it for the first time. And I know that was kind of my experience much earlier on with it. Of like I saw an episode or two, I was like, I don't understand this show. It like didn't pick it up again. And then someone else recommended it to me, like, okay, let me try it out. It's like, oh, I get it now. So like somewhere in End of season two, beginning of season three is where I really picked it up. Like, okay, it's clicked. I get it now. Like, just watching one episode on its own early on, like, it did not grab me. But if you watch two or three in a row, you're like, oh, it's Game of Thrones for children. And, like, that's a bad example. But it's, like, serialized, deep storytelling with, like, ice cream cat jokes in it. Yeah, it's like it's it's myth making, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's it's building on its own mythology. And this is one particular episode where it just shows a darker side to the mythology. Yeah. It, I love this one because spoilers, uh this is the one where Stephen does basically his entire goal is not to do the entire series. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He doesn't want to kill anyone like the primary first series of just Steven universe category, not future 
ends by like not killing and hugging it out and like the problems get solved in a satisfying way. I'm not deprecating that in any way, like, but that's the boiled down one sentence version of what happens. And here he kills someone Mm -hmm. and has the magic to like bring her back and like have it not be a permanent death, but still like that's a traumatic act and it's foregoing everything that he's been working for and trying to do the entire show. And this is really the, the turning point in Steven Universe future where there's no going back for Steven. It's a really mm-hmm. well-written episode. Yeah. And I love that the idea of being broken is not just the person who broke, but the person who did the breaking. And you see his trauma as well. I think by the end, once he's repaired <laughs> the person that he's hurt, he is now more broken than ever. Mm-hmm. Like this seems to be his worst, Stephen's worst place in anything. And it's so well told in just 10 minutes of animation. And there's not a lot of dialogue. And you think you know where it's headed. Um and you're hoping that it doesn't go where you think it does. Um, but yeah, it's going to go all the way there. It's going to, you're going to see Steven absolutely lose control, but see exactly what he's capable of doing. So as someone who's not as deep in the show's lore like I am, it does, this episode still resonates on its own and makes sense as it. 11 minute short that's moving. Yes. I think since I've seen several early episodes, several <laughs> in the middle episodes, the final episode, you know, some in the middle of toward the end, I think the ones that I've captured, I kind of understand what who Steven is and what he's after and what he's about and what his powers are and Seeing this, it's just one of those, if you've seen an 80s movie where you have somebody go out and, hey, I need to learn how to use this and go seek out a master, it's that um, template, essentially. Hey, let me go out. No, I'm not going to teach you. No, please teach me. I want to learn. No, you're not worthy. I'm not going to bother teaching you. Look, I'll show you that I'm worthy. Uh, that that template there. Um which is basically the last Jedi. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> no, except um, Ray kills Luke. Uh, in a in not not deliberately, <laughs> but um, I think it's the it's really interesting to see that turn and be more about the emotional consequences than the physical consequences of what's happened. Because if you leave it without the repair at the end, then it just becomes about Stephen the Destroyer as opposed to Stephen the Destroyed. Mm-hmm. That's what Stephen Universe will do, destroy you. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of crying, Stephen Universe, I'm tired of crying. Darn you children's animation. Keep being so good. You make me cry about things. Uh, Should we go to 
<laughs> robot chicken. <laughs> Things that don't make you cry, except with laughter. Right. Uh, yeah, so Robot Chicken, Santa's Dead spoiler alert, holiday murder thing special. Which is quite different from the other things that we've discussed so far. One being its main audience. Uh, and the second being just... I feel like of the Robot Chicken stuff... It's, it's interesting to have a longer, <laughs> it's weird to talk about it in short form because it's usually like the, they're usually sketch length things. So to get yeah. something that's extended um, feels interesting and strange. I'm not a, a big follower of Robot Chicken. I think that they've had a couple other like, I'm going to use air quotes, full length, 11 minute episodes. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know that I've seen any of them, though. So this was definitely a switch up a format that I enjoyed. I don't know if that means anything who's never seen Robot Chicken and is voting for short form animated program, though. But that's a fact. Mm-hmm. I think what they do really well is they lean on things that their audience can relate to. So they just grab from whatever buckets are around and riff on anything in the moment. So they're really good at compiling jokes together because we have in this some Orient Express-esque, that's hard to say, Orient Murder on the Orient Express-esque murder mystery of Santa's death. I mean, I wouldn't even say esque. It is just murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> That's true, because the even the solution at the end is murder yeah. on the Orient Express. Yeah. Sorry to yeah. spoil that if you've not seen Murder on the Orient Express, but you've seen this, which go watch Murder on the Orient Express. Just... Or read the play. Might be or the book. Yeah. Is it a book too? Yeah. Agatha Christie did a lot. I she did. Here. She did. Well done to her. <laughs> uh, I don't know. For me, um, yeah, it was a lot of murder on the Orient Express and maybe like not being Robot Chicken's primary audience and having like seen murder on the Orient Express and knowing what that was about. Um, maybe I got to understanding what they were doing a little sooner than they wanted you to. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the, the twist payoff at the end where it wasn't like actually this big complicated thing. It was big and complicated, but it was for a small and petty reason. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that. I feel like if this were originally like a three minute robot chicken sketch that kind of grew, like that was the core thing of like someone trying to solve the murder. And it turns out to be just petty instead of deep. And then they built like the other like eight minutes in the front of it. (laughs) I, I do enjoy there, there are a lot of um, Jesus representations in animation form, and I did enjoy this version, who's not quite obnoxious, um, but like who's really game for anything, who wants to be the investigator Jesus, but not totally annoying and not a jerk. Like he seems, he seems nice. He seems good. Yeah, as a culture, if we move past like annoying 
taken baseball bat to Jesus's kneecaps portrayals and we're just up to like regular Jesus yeah. jokes. I'm good with that. Like the the joke about CrossFit, Jesus doing like that's that was I I almost paused so I could <laughs> applaud. I was like, well, wow, that it was mm, chef's kiss to that one. I I enjoyed the like making fun of the mythos and like being like, dad, take my magic powers away. (laughs) Right. Like that's not how, okay. 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 That's funny. And uh, you're making, okay. (laughs) They did. I I just appreciated that as dark as it got, I don't want to say it didn't get inappropriate because it did. But um, <laughs> I, it's it feels like it's not out to be offensive for offensive sake. It feels like it's people who are letting you be in on the joke and what they're doing, if that makes any sense. I think so. Yes. Do you have anything else you would like to say about Robot chicken. No. Okay. So of the short form animated programs, uh, who would you cast your vote for? Um, I think I'm going to go for Steven Universe Future. Hashtag same. Um, I, I'm more relieved that you as a not long-term viewer find it just as effective as a standalone um, so that makes me optimistic. Yeah. I that think we'll have one. <laughs> it had style. It had heart. It had emotion. Um, the others, the other two were really great um, at the turns and twists that they did and playing with the style and playing with what they were doing. But for me, I think... Steven Universe Future, the episode Fragments, did did the best all around in terms of character and story. Okay. Well, there you have it, audience. That's the WG animated vote. For short now, form. For short form. Now, full length, regular animated program. Category, not children's. Category not children's. So we just call this the not children's animated program. Category. Right. Because there, there's nothing. These are all, quote, adult animated. So what shall we start with? And I, I don't think we'll get totally in depth and do like breakdowns on everything, but we're, we're mining the nuggets from them. So... I'm down just to go alphabetical order as they're listed as nominees, starting with Big Mouth. That works. I feel like the only times that I've seen Big Mouth are when we're discussing it for this podcast. (laughs) I don't know that it's a show for me. That's not necessarily a bad thing or criticism. It's just not for me, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, I love Kroll Show, which is strange that I like don't enjoy Nick Kroll's animated show, but I, I like the shorts on Kroll's like sketch comedy show. And I quote that all the time. <laughs> I just want a yogurt. That's like medium thick. 
That's my cred. I don't know what that means. So, <laughs> uh, I will find the clip and send it to you later. Unrelated you. to this podcast, because that's what friends do. I appreciate so, it. So this episode is disclosure: the movie, the musical, um, which I don't really know how to describe, not having seen so many of the things that they're riffing on. But disclosure was a movie from. The 80s, question mark? 90s. 90s? Oh, that recent. Starring Um, Demi Moore and Michael Douglas. It was around the basic instinct time period. And it seems to have taken the perspective of like, we're finally going to talk about sexual harassment in the workplace in Hollywood, but only if the man gets harassed. (laughs) What a twist. Uh, To borrow a phrase from Robot Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think Big Mouth is rightfully taking that concept down and making fun of it at its core and portraying how an awful dude bro in the show has kind of co-opted the plot of that movie as like a rallying cry about males getting sexually harassed and like ah the woman really wanted it look she's so domineering Um, and it's rightfully taking down that concept not necessarily the movie but just the people have co-opted it Mm-hmm. Um, and simultaneously making it a musical to like really <laughs> cut any gravitas out from under the idea of what's happening in this. So it was cute. Then you could also make fun of people who do musicals, you know, good old theater people, because we need to be taken down a peg here and there. But also... You can be really on the nose with things because musicals, you can say what people are thinking and feeling and not have it be out of place. You know, if they did it as a scene in a play, like here's our here's our middle school play of this, it would not be the same as here's our middle school musical of this. Like the musical tends to, let's say exactly what's going on here um, with these lyrics. Because ho- I, that's what musicals do, and hopefully they do it eloquently and beautifully, artistically. Um, both of those, I don't can't say that Disclosure, the musical within the world of Big Mouth's episode, actually did. But uh, well, What I think they were kind of going for is more like the glee angle. Yeah. I don't know that the musical numbers were necessarily meant to be within the world of the stage play in the animated TV show, uh, but it was... <laughs> an excuse for characters to sing and express their emotions of how they're feeling as the characters on Big Mouth with under the pretense of they're putting on a musical that doesn't have any of these songs in it. Mm-hmm. While also simultaneously showing a showing a situation of harassment happening between a teacher and a student. Played by Nick Kroll, yes. As a woman. Yeah. That, that basically, that character is basically the cruel show. <laughs> okay. That seems, that feels, yeah, she does feel like a sketch character, like a yeah. sketch show character. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh- <laughs> I, I do feel like there is a place for those particular theater people to be taken to task. So I'm glad that it was there but i think 
overall, it's trying to do something, but I don't know how effectively it all lands or comes together. I'm glad it was trying and going for it, but I don't know how how well it lands lands on the final runway. I do enjoy that, unlike a lot of other adult-oriented American animation, um, Big Mouth does build on its plot from episode to episode. So I'm sure that there would be more repercussions that are explored after this episode that might make these things land more effectively, even if they don't uh, land as well in a standalone episode. I think that Missy discovering that being empowering for her um, is powerful and revolutionary is something that will have fallout, mm-hmm. will have had fallout in the rest of the season that I'm probably not going to watch. Um, and I think that can be interesting juxtaposed with the idea of like, also don't sexually harass, which she as a character wasn't doing, but she in the, the stage play was, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. It is. It is interesting that it's. It is serialized. I hadn't stopped to think about that for Big Mouth, but yeah, the, they do build on each episode, and each season has its own overarching themes and plot points that happen. I mean, as I think it's best expressed in the B plot of this episode of the one adult main character who apparently doesn't work at the school anymore and has lost his job and needs the fab five of queer eye to come and turn his life around, which I think I could only really, in- my philosophical question here is, is it a parody? If you're using the people actually play those characters, if you're using the people from real life to actually voice the characters that you're writing and it's just corporate synergy, is it still a parody? If Netflix does Big Mouth and Queer Eye and it uses the actual Fab Five, <laughs> it's funny, but like, is it fashion? <laughs> I don't think I have an answer for that. Yeah. I I certainly laughed at some of that stuff only because I've seen so much of Queer Eye uh, watching passively while my husband watches Queer Eye. Um, I've picked up a lot of the tropes and I can see what they're playing off of. Um, but it was just very direct and like doing an actual queer eye episode <laughs> with big mouth. Yeah. But it did give us the jam of like, um, I forget the exact setup lines. Like, you give me Clark Gable meets super Mario vibes. Like, well, I do like jumping on turtles. Like <laughs> that, that's my takeaway. Like of big mouth, my one favorite line in this episode I do like jumping on turtles. It's not the response you think that a person would have, but it's totally believable for that character. And it's a genius comedy setup. Also, I think having the queer IB plot kind of undercuts the making fun of the gay kid in the theater A plot. Yeah. I guess not undercut. Makes it okay Yeah. I think so. I think it may have been the wrong B plot for that. But I think if you needed a way to get the coach to earn his job back, I, I yeah, I think there was another way to do it. The plots didn't come together, but like everything that happened before the end of the B plot doesn't actually have an impact. It's just the coach is here now. Yeah. 
You could have been just as well if if he showed up at the very end, completely changed. Like, wait, what happened? And then you see just the Fab Five behind him. Like, oh, hey. Yeah. And like that would have had the same effect. Possibly. I'll possibly. put the possibly on there. And I would be remiss as a last note if we didn't call out that um, as good of a Missy episode as this is with Jenny Slate playing, playing Missy, uh, the part of Missy is being recast with the actor's um, agreement because she's white. Mm-hmm. And good on Big Mouth for doing that. Yes. And we'll talk more about this topic in our next <laughs> Brain is Gonna Animated episode. We will, just slightly. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we talk about Bob's Burgers? Yes. Um, I feel like someone's just asking me for, like, crunchy, like, pumpkin spice latte of animation to watch for fall. And I feel Bob's Burgers consistently delivers, like, a good fall episode Mm. while being unique and the idea of being haunted by your pig dissection to do the right thing on a hayride is a very unique take on fall but it's all correct (laughs) (laughs) huh hmm if if you need a horror story how do you get a believable horror story from high school that's in a show that isn't typically encased in supernatural happenings. Yeah, definitely not supernatural. They always have, I don't know about always, but like the Simpsons, they've developed this like Halloween affinity Mm. They typically have some kind of good Halloween episode. And it might be, I think, the one year they went to Rich Kid Island to go trick-or-treating and get the full candy bars. And that was a whole story and plot. Like, ah, yes, that's no supernatural, but you made it fun. And there are scary bullies chasing you. So it is still like a horror element. <laughs> um, and this is the same. I just really like that they can capture the core ideas of what makes Halloween fun as a kid and make it original concepts and not just do like here's Bob's Burgers characters, but they're vampires, mm. which could be fun. And I think the Simpsons has um, milked that idea to death at this point. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's, it's let it dry. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what else did we have from this episode? That we what's what's our other takeaways on this particular episode? Do you do you watch? Let me ask this: Do you watch Bob's Burgers regularly? <clears throat> um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, it's like <laughs> what's a good metaphor for what Bob's Burgers is? Bob's Burgers for me is like. Um, Mr. Good Bar. Um, hmm. It's in my candy bucket. I'm going to eat all of them because I don't mind them. Uh, but I don't like go out and like actively buy full-size Mr. Good Bars. Hmm. Like I'll watch Bob's Burgers every week, but it's not a show that I re-watch. Hmm. It's like I will consistently enjoy these 22 minutes of my life. I think there's some really good stuff in there. Um, 
but much like Big Mouth, I it's on the spectrum of not for me, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But this is not for me enough that I still watch it. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Okay. It's a spectrum of that. Yeah. I think most of the Bob's Burgers episodes I've seen are the ones that I've watched for our conversations. And I'm okay with that, personally. You know, I laugh each time, and I enjoy the characters. They're fun. It's a fun family, and there's some ridiculous things. Like the whole earwax, earwax plot, you know, the B story of earwax, is just really wild. And so it's ridiculous and mundane at the same time, which lets the other story, the A story, really be outlandish and carry the weight. Mm -hmm. You don't want two things, <clears throat> big mouth, you don't want two things of seemingly equal absurdity and weight to overtake um, your plot. Yeah, I think it's about it, levels. Yeah. Because it, it does come back at the end slightly, but it doesn't overpower it and it doesn't see a need to en enforce itself on the A story. Yeah. I, I just like how small and ridiculous, like the best thing in that B plot was they're at the restaurant and they're looking in his ear like, oh my gosh, we need to get it out. We'll need to get it out. Get it out now. And they're like, no, we'll do it back at the house. And then like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it later. And then they pan to another part and there's a, another customer who's not involved that's just eating his food. It's just like, thank you. Like, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for not doing the earwax thing in the restaurant. Just, it's just a, such throwaway. And here's the reality of the situation. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous truth. And then we move on to something mm -hmm. else. <clears throat> and that's a formula, because we're talking about formulas. It's a formula that the show's really good at nailing of ridiculous, ridiculous, outside character. Like, no, let's bring it back to ground level. Which is what happens with the whole fetal pig thing, you know. It's, <laughs> it's not actually a demon pig. She just falls asleep and has a dream. You know, why are you haunting me? It's like, no, you're doing this to yourself, it says the pig later on. Like, you just feel guilty about this. If you had done the right thing, you wouldn't be feeling guilty. And you wouldn't be hurting. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, wait, I'm traumatizing myself. Insightful, deep and big fetal thing. Yeah. I mean, dreams, especially these um, 2020 quarantine time dreams, like these, like <laughs> they, they're solid. They feel real. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't seen more people getting into dreams again. I thought dreams would be like a big pop culture thing, but I guess we're too traumatized by everything else to like collectively all start dream journals. Yeah, I need to because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's I don't happening want to. in my dreams. Yeah, I don't want to remember most of them. <laughs> They're not bad. They're just like f fever dreams without a fever. Yeah, yeah. The fever is cabin fever. I was going to say the fever is society. Like it's <laughs> and the fever is the problems we made along the way. Oh, speaking of the problems we've made along the way, <laughs> <laughs> a plus transition to BoJack Horseman. Thank you. The view from halfway down. To be honest, I did not rewatch this episode before now. This was, 
I watched it three times when it first came out, when we first were discussing the end of BoJack. And I started thinking about it and I just said, I'm not in a mental, emotional place to go back there this time. Uh, it is raw and rough and I think would have been a really terrific ending episode. I think it, for me, we did that thing, you know, when you're on Netflix and you're like, okay, how many episodes do I have left? And you count, you're like one, mm -hmm. two, three, four, five. No, that one's a trailer. You know, you got too far in your counting. Like, look, it's only three episodes until the end. Let's, let's just go for it. You know, those kind of things. I think we miscounted and I thought this was the final episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, they, I can't believe they ended it the way they did. It's raw and real and powerful, but it's not the message that they wanted to leave us with, which I appreciated when I watched the real final episode. I mean, that's a lot. Um, yeah, sorry to uh, <laughs> say many sentences there. Whew. Okay. I respect ahead. your choice, and I, I totally get it. The stuff that I know, like, I think about rewatching, like, I'm not going to be in a spot to rewatch that. I don't, like the movie Into the Wild just really hit me at like a bad time in my life. And that's not a movie I'll ever rewatch. And I don't think it's a movie that anyone else thinks about, but <laughs> that's, <laughs> I feel that. Um, with this one, I agree, it could be a, a, a great finale for a show, but maybe not Bojack Horseman. And that's why there yeah. is one more episode after this, because like Bob's Burgers, I think Bojack Horseman's strength is going like, toward the ridiculous but the sad ridiculous and then pulling it back to like grounded real life level mm -hmm. and so it ends on the more this is how things in reality are likely to play out not in a show and that is mm -hmm. almost more sad and hopeful melancholically hopeful yeah but I think you can't get there until you've explored the full extent of the sadness. In some ways, the, it feels like a two-part episode, you know, it or a single episode, two halves of a single episode. You do need that breath in between. So you do need that intermission to emotionally get to the final episode. But in many ways, it relates a little bit to Steven Universe future that we just talked about where you get the character all the way to the dark side of everything that they could go. Here is, here is the depth of Bojack's brokenness and sadness and trauma and guilt. And let's play this out as far as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. As opposed to Stephen's strength, let's look at all the problems that Bojack has and especially his his guilt and trauma and take that to its lowest, lowest point. Now I'm sad thinking about this episode again in a good way. Yeah. And a wow, that was good. It's like when you first start watching Bojack Horseman as a viewer, you make it to the end of season one. And I think in Chris, your, your personal experience, uh, your wife finding you and going like, is it a good show? You're like, yeah, it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, it's so good. It's so hilarious. 
I think by the time you make it to the end of BoJack Horseman, you're just like, wow, this show's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have feelings anymore, but oh my God. (laughs) They have been ripped out of me and thrown onto the screen and I didn't even make this. Like... (laughs) I, I was getting into some somebody on Twitter was like, I'm finally watching Bojack Horseman. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the cult. We have tissues here. Oh, man, I I just I just keep re- it was when I thought about rewatching it. Just this show performative, how we perform our exits and how we plan those and how they are performed in that way. It's just so dark and juicy because Bojack is a performer and he is performing at all times. And when when you strip that away, it's like, okay, do do your performance of suicide, do your performance of guilt, do your performance of tragedy. Go ahead, Bojack, you're broken. Let's see what your act is. Let's let's see how it manifests itself. What are the actions of your performance? And I just started, kept going through and everyone's drum roll and the way they leave down that door. It's just, oh gosh, just like just having trouble swallowing. And it's all true to those characters too. Uh, so for those of you who haven't watched Bojack, in this episode, he's, having this essentially hallucination dinner with uh, people that are important in his life or have left a mark on him who have all already died. And so it's bringing back all these characters who are either very bit parts or very major characters in the show who have died in previous episodes. And all of those interactions are so refreshing because it's nice to see people like Herb again, but it's Mm -hmm. all still true to their character and it's, if Herb were still alive, this is something he would have said in real life to Bojack. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was powerful. I, I personally just love Sarah Lynn. Um, and I mean, now we're having two Kristen Shaw animated shows in a row here that we're talking about, but <laughs> right. I just really liked having Sarah Lynn back on the show and being her Sarah Lynn ridiculousness. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Ready for Rick and Morty? I don't know if we ever truly are ready for Rick and Morty, but let's, let's talk about this, the vat of acid episode. This is, (laughs) since we're having these conversations about what shows are for us and what shows we are the audience for, I think for Rick and Morty, I feel like I am good to watch whatever episode is nominated for the Emmy and then be good with that. I think that's that's good enough. Show me the best ones and I'll watch, uh, you know, back in the, back, you know, to think of BoJack, back in the 90s uh, when I was growing up, <laughs> we would get these VHS tapes, which would not have the whole show. It's just like, here's six episodes of the show and there's no way to get the whole complete series. Um, and here are the, some of the best ones. Here you go. Here's like, six episodes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If they're like, here are six episodes, volume one of Rick and Morty, go ahead and watch them. Cool. I would be, I would be up for that. Yeah. I forget what I was describing to someone the other day, but 
I think there's a category of things in my life that I like but don't love, and I just want the greatest hits of. Um, like Beyonce songs. Sorry, Beehive. Um, I really, really, really enjoy the best of Beyonce and like the one or two really good singles on each album. I love, 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 love. And the rest of Beyonce is not for me and that's okay. Um, but I'm, I'm the audience for that greatest hits volume one. Uh, mm-hmm. and I feel that way similarly about Rick and Morty of like, I really want like the one or two best episodes per season put into a collection. And I will absolutely consume and enjoy that and like that. Cause I like the very Futurama setup of this episode of like, here's a really stupid idea for an escape of hiding in this fake vat of acid. Mm-hmm. And the whole episode is just arguing about like whether or not this is a stupid idea. Um, and it expresses itself, I think in a very Rick and Morty way, but the setup I think is like most Things Rick and Morty that are really great, I think, are reminiscent of the best of Futurama as well. And they even acknowledge that in this episode by saying, yeah, Futurama already did that one. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Oh, I'm not the only one. Oh, so it has to be totally original for it to be great? I think that's what I, <laughs> I, I appreciated that line, too. Yeah, <sighs> it's very meta. Um, so yeah, in conclusion, I thought this was a really good episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I love the thing that I love the most since we've been talking about structure and, uh, talking about perception shift. So it gets to tell you the vat of acid episode. That's the title. So it's like the perception shift is usually a clue um, of the title. So the best titles tell you what the perception shift is. Here you go. Um, I mean, Pig Trouble and Little Tina, it's all about Tina's head. Like, it's all there. It's not a demon. It's all there. That's what it is. Um, but the Vat of Acid episode is telling you this is all about the Vat of Acid. That's what the title tells you. And it starts off with the the scheme goes awry as Rick plans it to. They fall in the vat of acid, and you have one assumption, which is we're spending the entire episode in the vat of acid. That's your first assumption, because that title told us we're going to spend our all, all the time there. And then they make it out, and it has this crazy resolution to that and then it moves on to wanting a life save on a video game like create that that's what i want and there's a fight between what's a bad idea what's a good idea you know that's a terrible idea the vat of acid was a stupid idea you know but this i have this idea this is a good idea and then it goes all the way through takes you so far removed from the vat of acid episode, you know, the vat of acid from the beginning. So far removed. You go so many different places. It's, it's such a really well-told um, story without dialogue about a relationship that Morty has and everything that happens there and wanting to press the pause button and go back and what he loses and what's lost. And then you have the perception shift, which is, 
no, this has all been about the vat of acid the whole time. Like that's that's the payoff. No, nope. it really was about the vat of acid this whole time. Mm-hmm. And I told you that's what it was in the beginning. And you ignored it because you wanted to go on this adventure with Morty. And we're back. We're back in this vat of acid. <laughs> and so... When it happens, I, I felt so satisfied by it. And that's what you should feel from a good perception shift of, ah, that's what I didn't expect it, but I should have expected it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's so satisfying when they're cornered by like SWAT teams and all these people in an angry mob and it just pans out. And there's just like this... <laughs> Into a vat of acid sitting on the front lawn. Guess there's only one way out of this, Morty. He has to go into this. And everyone's just supposed to believe that there's like a vat of acid sitting on the suburban front lawn. And they do. And everyone buys into it. It's just, it's so stupid that it works. Um, It's stupid and petty. Which is what the whole thing is. It's like, I'm going to hold this grudge. And the only reason I'm doing this is to show you that I was right all the time. It's a character thing. It's so true to the character. And it only works... Because of character. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to watch that episode again because it was just, I want to study it again. And I, I really like the montage of all the safe states. And I understand mm. for a wide audience why they ended with the one they ended with. But I think that the real like crown jewel of pettiness that they showed, which for me is like as high as that Morty being lazy with the safe state thing can go, is when he's actually using his real life video game safe state device to rewind while he's playing a video game. <laughs> and as someone who has been playing a lot of the Super Nintendo and regular Nintendo like online subscription service where they've added the rewind save state button. So um, helpful. So helpful. Uh, yeah, I I play a video game to have fun. I don't want to die a ton in old hard games that are designed for a different kind of fun that we had back in the 80s. So I'm okay just rewinding when I miss a jump in Super Mario Brothers 3. That's fine for me. Um, but I am a big abuser of that because <laughs> I just don't want to go back to the beginning of the level. I get it. So for me, that one little bit was like the the height of the montage. Um, but maybe I'm too specific of an audience for that to be the crown jewel of, which is why they had the 10-minute love story wordless thing. I feel like they had to take you somewhere so far removed from the... like. Now he's finally in a situation that he doesn't want to leave. And now you're worried about the pause button and you've totally forgotten about the vat of acid. Yeah. Like that's, that's so point. far gone from your imagination. You're, you're, you're more concerned with, Oh my gosh, the life save. Like he's gonna, he's gonna have to do the life save. He, that's what's going to happen. And you're waiting for it and waiting for that. And it's distracting you from, Hey, he's going to have to have, it's going to have to come back to the vat of acid. It's not called the, you know, the life save episode. It's called the vat of acid episode. Yeah, that's a great point. They do a really excellent job. Distract you with the second MacGuffin. Misdirection. MacGuffins on MacGuffins. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so our final nominated animated program is the Simpsons episode Thanksgiving of Horror. Um, and as has been true in the latest seasons, there's still a 
Treehouse of Horror anthology episode, and they have been making more and more like a second episode each season that's also an anthology episode set around yes. a theme. I I want to say two things about this. One, to quote Futurama or to paraphrase Futurama, do you feel ever feel like you're just nominated The Simpsons because you're supposed to? <laughs> number one. Uh, number two, I think these short form things is where Simpsons should lay to rest. I feel like this is where they do some of their best work now. Like if mm. Simpsons is now just shorts, I would be fine with that. Oh, it writes itself. The Simpsons spinoff titled Eat My Shorts, and it's just that. <gasps> Disney oh. Plus exclusive. <gasps> It's right there. Just do it. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't. I don't want the Simpsons to go away, I, but I want them to be strong and interesting. And this episode was interesting, at least. It did have some strong <laughs> moments, but it, yeah. it was it. It let the Simpsons be ridiculous. Yeah, I like that they had new themes to play with i think i was reading mm. dennis perkins of the av club called this episode the why not approach like why not have a halloween of horror about thanksgiving it's not like they haven't taken this approach with other holidays they've done a christmas anthology episode they've done an easter mm-hmm. anthology episode they just haven't done thanksgiving cool check but usually those other anthology episodes with the like the christmas one is more to do with some future or they take some characters in the world. They, they don't let it be like, let's turn them into snowmen or something like that. You know, it, it still is the characters as the characters in the world of Springfield, whether that's in the future or not, um, which that was a really likable one. I like that one where it took place in the future, Christmas future. Yeah. But um, this one lets them be turkeys. And it also... <laughs> makes a reference to a really old Mel Gibson film. So that's Simpsons at their best. Like, let's reference something really, really old. Is it really old? I, f- I feel like it is. It's it's after it's Passion new. of the Christ. It's like I mean, 20... I wouldn't call that really old. Come on. 2006, like... really? It's that old? Yes. I'm Wikipediaing. Oh, okay. I uh, don't know why. I th- God, I-, I don't know why I thought that was more recent. <clears throat> 14 okay. years ago. Let's at least, yeah, in structure and the title, we reference Apocalypto from 2006. And then let's turn them into turkeys. But it's like, what? why are we Why are we doing Apocalypto in the first place? Like, why? I mean, I do want to challenge the mainstream idea that I think a lot of people have of that. Air quotes, Simpsons are bad now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because with Disney Plus, we've been rewatching a lot of older Simpsons at home here. And yeah, there's some really amazing jewels in the early seasons um, and the mid early seasons. And by mid early, I mean like five to 11. Yeah. <laughs> so still early in the long run. Uh, but there's also, I would say, a lot of episodes that are structured the same way that modern episodes are. 
and they're really pulling from that. So have the Simpsons gotten bad or have our tastes of a culture and what we expect from a show changed? Mm. We were just rewatching the one where uh, Flanders has anger issues and it just kind of like ends like that. And it's not a very satisfying ending. Um, like, well, I, this is an episode from this season. Uh, and it's not bad. I still enjoyed it. I enjoy, I watch The Simpsons consistently and I do enjoy it. Uh, and I still think that there are some crown jewels each season. Um, but the people have the idea that it's just bad now. I've, I think a, I think there's a core thing there, but I think the core thing is just societal tastes have changed in this more than just Simpsons for adult animation now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're more demanding in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I didn't say anything about this episode specifically in that speech, but <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode I thought uh, was enjoyable. It did fun things. It did cute things. It was nice to take the Thanksgiving approach. Yeah. What were the other two stories? See, this is the problem with this particular one. There was the turkeys and they had... Uh, there was the Marge and the AI robot thing. Oh yeah, that was fun. Where she was making the that was pretty interesting. I did enjoy that one. Yeah, I like that one the best. And then um, there's also the one that was like a parody of that movie Life with the cranberry sauce. Yes, the cranberry sauce that got put into the replicator and then turned in, turned sentient. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, life? where Like Apocalypto, like, where did you pull this movie from? <laughs> yeah. Like you're I like the idea of the sentient cranberry sauce. You're, you're referencing something that I feel like I should know, but I don't know. And I feel like I'd get more out of this if I did know the thing that you're referencing. But it's fun to see bones getting sucked out of kids anyway. So... I don't know. <laughs> mixed bag but good fun like it's it's always fun to play and just let's let's have something outlandish as outlandish as you can do at eight o'clock on sundays on fox yeah oh well hmm so of the five animated programs we've discussed, that was no, there was no transition there. Gobble, gobble. Yeah. Uh, of the five animated trans- <laughs> um, who would you be voting for in this list? Okay. Um, I really appreciated the Rick and Morty episode. So if that wins, I'd be okay. But I really, really, really think that Bojack needs his his due. And that whole team of people need their due from what they've created with Bojack. I, th- I think I really am pulling for Bojack. And I think Rick and Morty would be second for me. Yeah, hashtag same again. Uh, but even beyond Bojack, like, deserving of having an Emmy win in its lifetime. Uh, this, I think, is also one of the best episodes that that show has ever produced. And mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite, albeit sad, emotional episodes of adult American animated comedy ever made either. <laughs> um, 
So I think that it's worthy of a win on its own, regardless of the politics of like Bojack should have an Emmy win. Mm. It's just nice when those things come together. Yeah. And we'll see if how right we are, even though these are not predictions. These are just preferences. We'll get to hear at the end who won. You may have already known listeners. If you're, if you're as into animation as we are, you will have already figured this out, who, who won. But if you're just a cash listener, a cash, cash. I was going to use that as a noun. I decided not to, and then it just sounded awkward. If you're just a casual lover of animation and are like, what, what are these shows about? I guess we'll, uh, you'll find out who won. Did you have a favorite thing from any of the things that we watched? I did. I love in Steven Universe Future, they have the whole trading montage where Steven gets like bigger and starts getting facial hair and they mm. kind of pause at the end of the music and the montage and Jasper just goes, that was a good three days of training. <laughs> it like sets you up at the end of the show like, oh my God, years are passing as he's doing this. We're at the end of the show. They're really going to have this big time skip in this episode. It's just three, three days. days passed and Steven can control his form and we forgot about that and he was feeling like more like the man that he feels that he should be and his physical <laughs> form manifested that way <laughs> how about you for me I think it was just the 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 payoff at the end of Rick and Morty just the pan to the vat of acid because I laughed really really hard about that moment just the oh, i guess we're gonna have to do this then like oh no it, here it is like it, thank god thank god it's here i think yeah. that that just that one moment i think that was my favorite thing from the things that we've watched yeah. if i mean category not bojack horseman anything. <laughs> yes yeah, that, that is a cohesive whole favorite thing, but of the things we haven't yet discussed in this podcast episode, <laughs> that. Uh, okay, shall we talk homework time? Let's. For next time, uh, please watch Mulan of the 2020 year which we know is not animated, but we're also going to be comparing it to Mulan of the 90s. So if you somehow haven't watched Mulan of the 90s and you listened to this episode, one, uh, why are you a listener of ours? Two, please go watch the 90s Mulan in addition to 2020 Mulan. <laughs> As always, thank you to Nigel Cotino, our engineer, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find us on the web on Twitter at WG Animated, like us on the Facebook, and check out our show notes at writersgetanimated.podbean.com and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And here comes the awkward pause, even though we know what the structure of our episodes are, to make a joke so we can then say our good night, everybody. Oh, Chris, there is nothing at the end of the episode. There never was. Now I'm just sad. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Shoot, pop, and do
and the Emmy goes to. Forky asks a question, what is love? Thank you, Television Academy, for this great honor. Bob and I partnered with the crew of Pixar's Best and Brightest. So we share this honor with Team Forky Shorts, along with everyone at Disney+. Plus. We were blessed with a great cast, Tony Hale, Carol Burnett, Betty White, Mel Brooks, and the late, great Carl Reiner. So much fun. Family is everything. Thank you guys so much. And the Emmy goes to... Rick and Morty, the Vat of Acid episode. Thank you, this is a huge honor. We wanna share this with Jake, Jewel, and Jesse, the family of the immortal Mike Mendel, Godspeed Mike, the other nominees and their crews who finished these seasons in their bedroom closets to bring comfort to a quarantined world and to get paid. Jacob Hare and his uh, team of animators, there's a reason I'm holding this wood. And Lee, the editor, no one ever thanks Lee. Lee, can you get this under 30 seconds?